Hello. How are you doing this evening? Good. Three of us are well. It was good to know the others of us. You were just here, but we're glad you're here. And I want to welcome you to the Harbor Service on this uh, Saturday night, the first Saturday of, of August. I almost said October. We are not that far into the calendar yet. Um, man, it's been a weird week for me. You'll notice my face a little red, except for where my sunglasses are. So I've got that epic, he's a tourist on vacation, raccoon tan. Uh, we were away this last week down in uh, Orange County, down at the beach and whatnot. And I got to tell you the story. We're there at uh, Crystal Cove. Crystal Cove is this wonderful beach right at the kind of south end of Newport. And we're down there and we're spending the day. It's gorgeous weather, um, beautiful surfs rolling in. And, and my family's doing something except for myself and my daughter, Aaliyah. Aaliyah is my 13-year-old. So I said, hey, let's go for a walk. <clears throat> so we go for a walk down the beach and Surf was actually pretty big that day, so it was kind of pounding in. We just have this great talk. We come over to the tide pools at the south end of that beach, and we just stand in this spot, and we're just watching the waves roll in against the rocks. And we get there, and we've had this conversation. The very first thing she says when we get there is, Dad, are you going to tell me something horrific like you have cancer? (laughs) Who raised this child? Can't we just go for a nice walk and enjoy the scenery? No, I have to tell you I'm going to die. I'm not going to die. Let's just enjoy the view. So I don't know about the dramaticness of your children and your family, but I hope you've had a chance to get away this summer and do something on vacation and just enjoy one another. Because I told my daughter, Aaliyah, I'm going to use that story forever because she decided to open her mouth. And now I do know when I do have something really big to tell her what I'm going to do. So it's all laid out. It's perfect. So I want to welcome you here. If you didn't get a copy of the notes on your way in, raise your hand. We have some folks who'd love to get those to you so you can be well-equipped to move into the service with us. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. And uh, if you find maybe the front of your Bible up in the table of contents, you can find that. The way I always remembered Ephesians growing up in church was go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So that's an easy way. But if you don't know where Galatians is, it won't even help. Okay. So, um, so let's get to it. Here's some things we are in this meaningful live meaningful series. The subset is about meaningful roles and we're going to dive right in. This is week two of that kind of three week mini series within a series. One thing to tell you about pastor Tom mentioned last week, uh, the thing that really, I think God has blessed HDC for is our just outward focus. And part of that, you can go back to that last slide relates to what he enumerates in his book, eight to 15. It's all about oikos. So a new revised copy is available up in the island. If you want to get it digitally, you can download it now for the first time as well. So I want to make that blurb, and now he'll be happy that I said that. Um, meaningful roles, we're in now this, this movement, and I loved even in the music tonight, this song Awakening, because that's really our goal. Our goal is to awaken you to the possibility of how God would want to use you in his kingdom. And for many of us, there is really a a sense of, for a host of reasons, a lack of wakeness, (laughs) a sleepness to this concept. And that's really my whole motivation, my whole heart, to awaken that in you. A man once saw a building site and three stonemasons were working side by side, sweating over their work in the hot sun. He said to the first, what are you doing? Laying bricks, came the reply. He asked the second stonemason, and what are you doing? 
Building a wall, came the reply. And then he said to the third mason, and what is it you are doing? I am raising a great cathedral. Three men all doing the same job, but three different, very different perspectives, at least one in particular. Because see, so many times serving seems like laying bricks or building walls. When God has called us all to something very cathedral-esque and what he's called us to build and be about. It's all about perspective. One of my favorite um, just examples of that in my life about the perspective of serving came from an older gentleman at the church I served with in Oregon. And I remember we were doing a fundraiser one day and these were his words to me. He had me bend down so I could hear him and he said, Todd, I may never be able to speak to people like you do, but I can build the box that you stand on when you teach. I'll never forget him saying that. It just emboldened in my brain, just this, or emblazoned in my brain, just this thought of what a great concept of how all of our gifts are necessary, all of our roles are necessary to the kingdom and what God has called us to as his people. See, last weekend, Pastor Tom began this, this new subset and meaningful roles, talked about your value your value and your role to being a world changer and helping other world changers out and what goes on here at HDC. He also mentioned last week that you were built to serve. One of the realities of being in God's family is that you have a role, you have a job that you've been uniquely designed, uniquely shaped for. And that's part of the deal, part of the reality of coming into God's family. When you're adopted into his family and when you take on his name, you're called to join, as it were, the family business. The family business of seeing people be changed and coming into his kingdom, adopted into his family as well. So for the follower of Jesus Christ, when it relates to serving, it's not a question of if you should serve, but simply where and how. That's why even the term, and I've said it, I've been here at HGC almost 11 years now, and I've always bristled at the term volunteer. It it just has personal baggage for me because it seems like we say, I volunteer at the shelter, I volunteer at the, the hospital as though it's some over and above kind of thing that we do. As Christians, it's just an essential part of who you are. You were built to serve. So out of that, we want to talk about this week how to intentionally help you get there. Our service is going to be intentionally shortened today for that purpose of giving you time and opportunity to go and talk. Today's not so much about signing on the line and and committing yourself to something for the rest of your life. Today's at least about getting more information and finding out what's the best place for you to use the gifts that God's given you. So in your Bibles, we're going to consider a passage today in that end. It's Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. I'll read them aloud. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we want to look especially towards the end of that passage, looking at verses 11, 12, and 13. And what do they do? They provide for us the what. In your notes, they provide for us the what. What is it about this idea of serving? What is it about these gifts that I'm supposed to know and understand? Well, if you follow the flow of Ephesians 4, it actually begins in an interesting way. You can, it really is summed up in the word university. University, I don't know, you know, you obviously are well aware of the term, but I don't know if you know where it comes from because it's a combination of two what seem almost polar words. See, Ephesians 4 through 6 talks all about the unity that we don't even try to achieve, we just have because we are the church. We are God's body, Jesus's body. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. On the list goes. One, we have unity in these things. But then the next verses that we just read then begin to talk about the unique diversity of how God has gifted his church to accomplish his purpose. So therefore, we have unity in diversity or we have university, as it were. These common characteristics, these common um, ideals that we're holding at the same time. Jesus himself is mentioned as the giver of these gifts. He's the one who gives these to the church. He equips his body to accomplish his purpose. It just kind of makes sense. Now, the gifts that we describe in this passage in Ephesians 4, they're maybe not what you would have initially thought. They're a little bit different because they're actually roles. The list that we read here in Ephesians 4 are not gifts per se, like qualities or characteristics. They're actually roles that Jesus gave to his church. Things like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, you've heard the critical phrase sometime before. It's not as, as in today as it was. I grew up in the 80s. I can't help it. But you'd hear people say things like, oh, so-and-so, she thinks she's God's gift to humanity. You know, you'd hear things like that, that phrase, she thinks she's God's gift. That would be very critical as a statement. Well, it's interesting, from what we just read in Ephesians 4, it communicates to us that, among other roles, pastors are God's gift to the church. Now, most times, pastors like me, we don't talk about that very much because we're concerned that you might want to exchange us for different gifts. It makes us nervous, so we try not to bring it up. But this is the idea in your notes. God gives particular gifts to help the church grow. God gives particular gifts to help the church grow. And in this case, even specific persons in specific local churches for the good of what he wants to accomplish in that area, in that region. See, other New Testament passages like Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, they talk about the unique giftings that believers have. But this passage is unique from those because it talks about offices or roles that he's given to his church. And pay very special attention to their purpose. The purpose of pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. To equip his people for works of service. This phrase from Ephesians 4 is really the main text from where our leaders years ago developed our vision statement, our mission statement. And you hopefully know that to prepare every generation to change their worlds for Christ. It comes from this concept from Ephesians 4. That's why finding a meaningful role is so important to us because it's one of the primary reasons of why we even exist. 
to equip God's people for works of service. Not so much that we go around doing all this work as pastors, but we're equipping and preparing other people, all of God's people, to serve according to the way they've been gifted. See, I've been a part of some churches that got this all backwards. I literally have heard people say in in whatever even church business meetings are, say things like, well, that's what we pay you for to do ministry so we don't have to. And I get the, the, the kind of, um, what would you call it, the American maybe logic of that. That's why business owners don't do all the work themselves. They hire other people. But I'm pretty sure that members of a local church were never equal to business owners. Because that's the point of this passage. The passage teaches just the opposite. That pastors are called for the purpose of preparing and equipping others in the church to serve as a unit, to serve as his body. Now, I don't think that the problem of we pay you to do the work for us, that mentality really is prolific or happens much at HDC. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that vast majority, a vast majority of us here in the Harvard community are currently not serving in any kind of capacity. So whether it's because of a a faulty paradigm or a bad attitude or for a host of other reasons, it's still not happening. That's not a guilt trip. It's simply a reality statement. And that's why one of the main reasons why to talk about this, talk about this focus these next couple of weeks. So we have a special emphasis in the message and in this, our whole campus, all of our campuses, by the way, this is a Leeds weekend. So out at Apple Valley, Pastor Kurt's teaching live tomorrow at Phelan. Brian will be out there. Tim Cool will be at seven tomorrow night. And so our leads are all teaching in their campuses, Tim over in Classic. And in that effort, the goal is to, again, awaken that idea of, man, it's not a question of if you should serve, but simply where. We've even done a couple things with great strategery, as it were. Tim Cool, uh, you love Tim, and he's a great just part of our whole High Desert Church team. Tim has served so faithfully of our, as our student ministries pastor the last seven of his nine years here at HDC, but just recently changed roles with specifically this in mind to really be that point person for meaningful roles on our campus. So he'll retain his role as a teaching team pastor, retain his role at seven, but that'll be his third hat is really giving leadership. Tim will actually be at our other campuses tomorrow, checking on how this is going for them. And then he'll be speaking here next weekend. So we're really giving a lot of value to this concept of the importance of a meaningful role. We're we're making a lot of conscious decisions to do that. And here's the point. I never feel badly. I never feel badly, in a sense, just extending God's call to Christians to get involved in service. We're real quick sometimes. I've been with you at times somewhat critical of maybe some of the things about growing up and things that my parents, maybe I wish they would have done X or Y. I gotta tell you though, my parents got this right. I watched my parents from the youngest time I can remember serving in various roles in the local church that we were in. And in such a way that when I was in junior high, it was just natural, I should get involved and find a way to serve. I've been in vocational ministry now 20 years. And a lot of that is based on this, the mentality I was just kind of bred with that you're supposed to find a way to serve God's people. So I have no problem though, not because of my background, but I have no problem calling people 
to what God has called him to do, number one, because it's just simple biblical obedience. God says that at the time that you put your faith in Christ, there is a uniqueness now about your shape, about your, your even giftedness of the Holy Spirit that you can and should serve in the body of Christ according to that giftedness. That's just biblical truth. But here's the other thing that I know, the second thing that motivates me. I know you're going to come back and thank me. You're going to thank me because what you're going to find is that when you find a role serving according to your design, it is one of the most gratifying things on the planet because you recognize that you're making a contribution to really the greatest endeavor of all. That people would no longer be bound for hell, but instead be rightly related to God. And you play a part in that puzzle. You will touch lives and you will come back and you will say, thank you for telling me what I've been missing out on. And you'll say that. You'll say like so many people, when they walk out of this stage often, they get baptized, they'll be the first words out of their mouth. I don't know why I waited so long. You're gonna say the same thing about serving. I don't know why I waited so long. Back to our passage. It also tells us not just the what, but secondly, the why. Secondly, the Why? We've already seen that the purpose of God giving these leadership roles to the church was for the purpose of of them equipping, of pastors and teachers equipping them to do works of service or ministry. But why is that? What purpose is there in serving one another? And we'll let the next phrase in Ephesians 4.12 tell us. It says, so that, so that. I'm a big fan of purpose and of why. I don't remember as a child being that way, but man, as an adult, I always want to understand why are we doing this? And so when I read my Bible, I look for phrases, these purpose statements like that, that say, so that, and I'm ready, I'm on the edge of my chair, now you're going to tell me the why. And God does through the Apostle Paul. Look at the very next words. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is a big why, a big answer to that. Break it down with me, the first phrase, that the body of Christ may be built up. See, works of service are obviously for the benefit of our community strength, of the fact that we would all develop, we would all enjoy the benefits of serving each other. But secondly, until we all reach unity in the faith, our works and our service, they aid to a growing unity that, we, that God has called us to. We saw earlier in Ephesians 4, these verses 4 through 6, just really just drill down on this idea, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one, 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 but we accomplish that in a diverse way. Unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. I was thinking about that. How does our service your service using your gifts, my service using my gifts. How does our service deepen our knowledge of the Son of God? And it, it just hit me, it was just so, so clear that there's something about an understanding. This knowledge is not necessarily sitting down and being able to recite logical truths back to someone that you could hear in a message and just recite back to me. There's something about the experiential understanding that kind of knowledge that you or I cannot get in any other way than by serving and being served by each other. 
We grow in our true knowledge of who Jesus is because of the way that we serve each other. And the last phrase, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The test of a Christian's maturity is really simple. Christ-likeness. Hence the term Christian, follower of Christ. That's, that's really what it all is bound up in. Well, you might say, well, duh. Okay, Todd, come on. I mean, I get that, that Jesus is our model. Jesus is our example. But remember that while there are many attributes of Jesus that we cannot imitate, we cannot imitate his sinlessness perfectly. We cannot imitate his ability to forgive sins. Try as you may, you won't be able to go walk out on the water the next time you give it a shot. There are things we can't imitate, but what we can do, what he has given us as his example for as a model, one among many is his example of being a servant. His example of being a servant to the people that he came and he loved and he touched while he was here incarnate among us. This attribute of serving others is what he modeled for us and how we are to live toward each other. I came across a great quote by John Ortberg. This is what it says. When we speak of being fed or going deep, we are often referring to information. But perhaps information is not the primary source of nourishment. Perhaps the primary source is the presence of God. Maybe we go deepest with God when we express love in the costliest ways. Let me read that again. Maybe we go deepest with God when we express love in the costliest ways. And maybe that an undue equating of spiritual maturity with information reception is indicating a sickness, not a health in the body. So when pastors do their jobs to equip you to serve, according to the way that God has designed you, your service develops you and develops those around you to a more Jesus-like likeness. That's awesome. So thus, in your notes, God gives particular gifts to help the church grow. Same sentence, but different emphasis. God gives particular gifts to help the church, to help followers of Jesus grow. So we've looked at the what, we've looked at the why, but look what the passage does not tell us, does not tell us the how. In your notes, the passage does not label out, line out the how. I loved it in our teaching team meeting this last Monday. We just sat there literally for a moment and marveled at the brilliance of God to not specifically describe and and line out the how his body was to serve. Think of what would have happened if he did. If he was specific in writing to the church of Ephesus, here's the what, here's the why, and now here specifically is the how. Well, let's say back then, 2,000 years ago, that one of the hows was demonstrated or applied, the gift of hospitality. How does the gift of hospitality get demonstrated in the first century church? Well, let's say one of those ways was washing people's feet when they came into the assembly. That was a very normative thing. It was a demonstration of hospitality. It was taking care of people who would walk dusty paths. And so to sit together in community was awesome to have feet that didn't smell to the highest heavens. So as they walked in the door, you would say, okay, well, one thing we have to have is we're an assembly of believers. We need to have someone who's capable to wash feet at the entrance of the door. Simple question, did anyone ask you if they could wash your feet when you walked into Powell tonight? 
Okay, if they didn't, it wasn't meant as an affront because that's not some sort of culturally necessary idea, even though some of you walked in tonight and it could have been a good idea. The people sitting in your row as you're wearing flip-flops would have said, and that wouldn't have been that bad for them. Now, by the way, if somebody did ask you to wash your feet when you came in tonight, come and tell me about that, because that's just weird. I want to know. I need to talk to them later on, okay? But here's what did happen. People that were wearing blue Hawaiian shirts said hello to you or stuck out their hand to give you a handshake. People that were back here at the welcome area in a red shirt were there to answer any question you had or assist you in anything you needed before the service. There were people, ushers, who were happy to give you a program and notes for the service when you walked in tonight. See, that's the demonstration of the gift of hospitality in the 21st century in the high desert in Southern California wonderful ways to demonstrate that giftedness of making people feel welcome. I love it. Maybe one of the hows back in the first century, back to Ephesus, Paul writes out, well, you gotta have someone washing feet. Don't forget that. Number two, another thing be sure to do, be sure that when people come and they've come on top of animals, they've ridden a horse or they came with a cart that was pulled by a donkey, whatever it may be, make sure you have someone out there tending the animals while they're inside at a worship service together. An important role that you need, that's a how you're gonna demonstrate the gift of helps by having someone tend to the animals. Now at every campus except for Phelan, We don't do this. (laughs) My friend Greg will attest, Phelan has a hitching post right out front. Everywhere else, we do not wait wondering how we can take care of your horse that you came on. But before you ever came to this campus tonight, there was a team of folks who got out and they set out the parking lot in such a way that you can navigate your way well around it. There's a group of security on a security team that are going to walk the perimeter and monitor this campus while you are here getting to be preoccupied with who God is. See, the gift of helps manifests itself in numerous ways, in numerous places, in numerous times. That's the beauty. God left the how out so it could be expressed contextually to where it was happening. And I love that. I love just the wisdom and the beauty of God's design. Do you remember last week, Pastor Tom, at the end of his message, it was just powerful to hear him illustrate when Henry came to know the Lord at one of these services at the Victorville campus. It was powerful for him to say that 78 people, no fewer than 78 people, contributed to that experience at that particular service. See, God wants to use you in ways you might have never thought were significant, in ways you never thought were meaningful to other people, but in ways that God wants to use for his kingdom, in ways that you're maybe just ready to begin exploring. I love that. I love getting excited about that. God has left open to us the how, how we're going to be a group of people who enable each other to be effective world changers in the 21st century. In your notes, our gifts, that's the what, plus our teams, that's the how, can bring growth, that's the why, 
to our church. Our gifts plus our teams can bring growth to our church. That is God's purpose in gifting his people to do works of service. So a simple concept to close with. If you're a follower of Jesus, like I said earlier, then this, this point of the service today is not a question of if you should find a place to serve. It's simply where and it's how. Let me pray. Father, we come to you and we say thank you. I know how powerful it is to experience the fact of being, feeling as though I've been useful to your kingdom. Feeling as though that something I did contributed to the goodness, to the, the growth of someone else in their walk with you. And God, just the fact that you'd even give us a little glimpse, a peek at that, the gratifying nature of that is so powerful. God, thank you. Thank you that you have not just, in a sense, saved us from sin so we could sit on the sideline, but you've called us to be your ambassadors. You've called us as a church to be about world change, that others, the God who are not yet in your family, would become so in a great way as a body that we all get to help each other with that by serving according to the way you've gifted us. It blows our minds. It's complete genius. Maybe you're here today in the service and as you consider this reality of serving, the funny thing is you knew as you even walked in the door, you might've even seen the sermon title. You might've seen something up on the, the screen that had something to do about meaningful roles and you were already ready, already ready to make, take that next step. In a moment when we dismiss the service, I wanna encourage you, please go. Please go get information. Please go take the next step and what it means to put your giftedness to use. And you might even say, I don't even know how I'm gifted. I don't even know what in the world I could do to contribute. Start. Start somewhere. Like people have said so many times, it is so much easier to move a ship that is moving than one that is at the dock. Move. Move and let God direct your path. You may be here today in this service and we talk about being useful to God's kingdom and you're going, man, I'd love to do that. I, I, I don't even know though about who even God is. I'd have never made a relationship. I've never made a connection. I've never been made right with him. The great news is that can change before you even leave your seat. Every weekend we talk about the ABCs. A is admit. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit that you have lived life on your terms, not living according to God's ways. And when you admit that, you simply admit that you're a part of the human race. Because the Bible tells us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B is believe. Believe that one who did embody fully and perfectly the glory of God, Jesus himself, lived among us, died a sacrificial death, rose supernaturally on the third day, and believe that his life, death, and resurrection paid a debt, covered you in a way that you could never cover yourself. And C is choose. Choose to take Jesus's invitation that he would take your place. That his cross would be your cross and you would not have to go there yourself. Choose to bring your life to Jesus's feet today and watch, just watch what he will do with it. Father, we love you. 
Thank you for your great goodness to us. We pray this all today because of Jesus. Amen. Now, before you go, take back that map. Take that map out one more time. I have a couple things I just want to tell you about, and then I'm going to let you go, okay? If you take the map out, let me give a brief explanation to where these different places are and what is at each one. The first couple are really pretty self-explanatory. Uh, if you look um, kind of across the way over here at the gym complex, you'll see HDC Kids. And that's the idea of finding out information to work with children birth through sixth grade. If you have an interest, in, and the great news is all these roles I'm going to tell you about, all of them have multiple ideas. One could be working as a small group leader. Another could be working in an area that is set up and tear down. I mean, the, the list goes on about different capacities that we need people to serve in that you need to find a, way, a place to serve in. So Kids Ministries is across the way in the, the front room here in the gym complex. Up here on the patio are student ministries. And in the same way, that's working with students 7th through 12th grades. Our, our team will be out there. And again, a multiple list of types of roles and types of jobs that you can get involved in serving, student ministries. In here, right back here at this production area is where production teams will, will be available to talk to you. And that's areas of working with tech, with sound, with lighting, with media, any of those kind of things that you know relate to our production and making the service happen through audio and visual, they happen right there. That's where you want to go and get information. The other two take a little bit more explanation up in the balcony in this section over here in the south side of the balcony is going to be what we call our facility teams. Now, you might think, well, does that have to do with like maintenance, custodial? It's really not. It's the different things that happen at this facility during the weekends. So things like our security team, things like our parking lot teams, teams like our medical teams that are here to be helpful, things like our campus dispatch and our law enforcement. All of those groups are going to be represented up in the balcony when we break in just a moment. So just so you know where to go. And lastly, the host team. The host team is going to be actually out these double doors up here at the front. You might have seen when you drove up today, there's a, one of our, our easy ups right up out front here. That's going to be somewhat obvious for our blue shirts, our, our welcome team, our ushers, our greeters, that whole group. But what's also going to be out there, something that we have talked about about the last year now and, and had a great response initially, but it's truly faded, has been our prayer squad. And that's a group of people who get together before the harbor services, three services every weekend, just to pray, to pray that God would work, God would move. And, and it's funny, some of us look at these jobs and we kind of go, okay, I could do that or I could jump in here and you go, prayer? Prayer, prayer is like a job. And I'm here to tell you, you know what? Praying, interceding on behalf of others, it's an incredible job an incredible role that really we actually need to make more of a point of. So I want to encourage you, the prayer squad signups are going to be out in that area as well. And lastly, Pastor Jeff mentioned the red shirts, our Ask Me team. They're going to be right here where they normally are, in the um, lobby, wearing their red shirts, and you can talk to them about how to get involved with that team as well. That's the where. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, we just saw some really great things when we used this strategy last year. And that was the idea that our service is ending about probably 15 to 20 minutes earlier than normal. And in that, we're going to have our children's programs go on until 7.15. And whole, the whole purpose is this, so that you can go and talk to these folks and not worry about, well, I have a two-year-old and I have to try to keep him or her occupied at the same time. No, you don't. They're fine in their programs. 
Go, you have 15 minutes to go and talk to someone from one of these groups, get some information, find out what's the next step in getting involved, and then you can go pick up your kids. So I want you to know our kids programs will be going on during this time until 7.15. At 7.15, if you'd begin leaving those stations where you're at and to begin picking up your kids, that would be great. And they're prepared for that. Last thought, and I'm going to let you go. There's three types of people that are here at the Harbor Service tonight. One type is the kind that the video mentioned, and we do want to tell you how much we appreciate just your obedience and your giving, and that is people who are currently serving in a role already. You really do make what happens here possible. And I want to thank you so much just for being obedient to God's call. I don't want you to walk out tonight feeling like, okay, well, I'm already serving with students, but uh, they really need help with the welcome team, so I better go do that too, or these other three or four ministries. Please don't. Don't feel any guilt about that at all. We're so grateful for how you're currently serving. Don't feel like you need to add on to that at all. And when we dismiss, I just hope you have a great weekend. There's another group of us that are here tonight that I think is a very small group, but it's a group who really shouldn't pursue serving right now. There's a host of reasons, and I'm not gonna go into those, but if that fits you, can I just tell you, don't feel guilty, but have a great weekend. But lastly, I think the overwhelming majority are those of us who are not currently serving in a role. And I just wanna say, start. Let this service flesh out what it was meant to do. Let it awaken that potential, that possibility within you. And go get some information and make that next step. All right, your welcome forms on the baskets on your way out. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next weekend.